Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, if Dr. Judy Jasek is on the podcast, we know it is Friday. We're so excited to have you back with us today. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm doing good. Going through some interesting changes in my practice, but um, like I was saying, there's a there's no shortage of work, no shortage of people to help. So we just keep plugging ahead. Well, everybody that's listening to us still has access to you through your telemedicine. And that's at ahavet.com. And uh, just as a note, I have four dogs here today watching my grand dogs. And uh, for some reason, they're barking their heads off. So if you hear it, that's what it is. <laughs> but it's a dog it's a dog podcast i mean come on it's like you should just say that's my new um background music or right? something it's a it's it's a podcast appropriate noises <laughs> right 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 absolutely absolutely um so you're going down this path of doing telemedicine and you want to work with other vets who really want to get out of the box get out of this I hate to say it, Dr. JC, but it's just a totally corrupt box, in my opinion, just from what we see. It is almost, you know, I I almost want to use the word cult at this point, because Mm -hmm. it just seems like people in in veterinary medicine, and it's the it's the veterinarians, it's the educational institutions, even, you know, technicians, other workers are so brainwashed. And, and the stuff I hear, I, I just, it just baffles my mind what, you know, what, what people are told at their vet clinics and the, and the lack of, the lack of compassion and, you know, just somebody doesn't have, you know, $10,000 to do a certain treatment or something on their dog. And they're just told to, well, just take them home and die. Good luck. You know, they just don't, don't even care. Don't offer other options or even anything to help people or help you know, keep pets comfortable if they're not doing well. Uh, just that, that lack of empathy is, it's just, it's so disheartening. It just, it really is painful to hear that. It really is. You know, I, did I talk to you last time you were on about the dog that was bowing, right? Doing the bow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had said this dog had pancreatitis. Right. I've talked to this owner and he said, this dog, since we came to see you guys, got on the raw diet and really looked at it a different way, is almost back to normal. Wow. That's amazing. And, and yeah, it's amazing. And um, I just, I hate to hear that because it's like the fleecing of America, right? It's like the mm-hmm. fleecing of our pet parents. And so I think what we really try to do here on the podcast is to give you the information so that you can disseminate the other information that you're getting and really know whether you need to 
do those expensive treatments, do those expensive protocols, or whether you would like to get on a phone call with Dr. Judy Jasek and run these protocols by her. Okay. And which is what this telemedicine is all about. You have another person and, and you may say, well, I don't want to pay that fee. Well, would you rather pay this nominal fee to work with Dr. Jasek on a telemedicine call or pay tens of thousands of dollars uh, doing something that you don't need to do? That's the way I look at it. Right. And, and a lot of the things that are recommended are unnecessary. And what I see too, like, especially like in the, uh, in the specialty clinics, they push for these high end diagnostics. So a dog goes in with some say, you know, this is really common in, in neuro, like some sort of neurologic deficit. Well, like you got to immediately sign up to do an MRI or they won't even, they won't even talk to you, you know, about what's going on. You got to do these really super expensive tests. And, you know, I've been practicing long enough, like where when I first started, you didn't have things like MRIs. We had x-rays. That's about it. We didn't have ultrasounds. We didn't have echocardiograms available. You know, we, we looked at the patient and we did x-rays and, you know, so I, I think that actually puts me in a better position because I've learned to look at the patient. I think modern day veterinarians, they're so dependent on these tests that they don't even think, you know, they don't take the time to take a history. I guess a lot of vets sadly don't have the time in their practice situation to take a good history. Look at the pet, look at what's going on with the pet. Just use a little, use a little common sense. They're so dependent on these tests and the, and the test results that, that they forget to look at the patient. That's like, you know, when, when we work with cancer patients here, you know, usually I know what type of cancer it is because a lot of times it's been diagnosed, but if, if somebody comes into me and say they, they, you know, find a lump on their dog, hasn't been aspirated or anything and no biopsy, I, I don't really need to know that what that is to treat the patient because I'm not treating the cancer, I'm treating the patient. I'm, and which is ultimately going to help eliminate the cancer, but I'm looking at the dog. What's the diet? What's the vaccine history? What supplements is it on? What can we do to improve the dog's routine? And if that's what you're focused on, it, it doesn't matter. You, you really can do a lot to, to treat without having all those expensive diagnostic tests. But I think in modern day clinics and especially the corporate clinics, because they have their protocols and vets are expected to follow these protocols. Um, that's where you get stuck with that, you know, um, you know, tens of thousands of dollars that can end up uh, getting you nowhere. And I have clients contact me about that too. Like they'll have their pet in at the ER and they'll schedule a phone call like, hey, this is what they're doing. This is what they're recommending. You know, what do you think? And we can talk about those, you know, the diagnostics and the treatment protocols that they're, that they're recommending. And so that can, you know, help, help some people out in those situations as well. Yeah. I, I, it is so valuable, you know, just the free information that we give out here, the fact that they have access to you uh, through Zoom. You can look at their dog on Zoom, but again, you don't necessarily always have to look at the dog. I know that you you like to put your hands on the dog, but it's not necessary if we have these other diagnostics that you can take a look at and say, mm, this looks out of whack. Go back and ask this question. Maybe you want to use this over that. Um, uh, you know, the pharmaceuticals, 
fly out the sphincter as fast as you walk out the door. I mean, it's just like sphincter packed, right? You walk out of the vet and you're on all types of pharmaceuticals and they have side effects. My last podcast, I just did, you know, some side effects on Apoquil and Cytopoint. And uh, immediately we got back um, some questions about, oh my gosh, I've I've just put my dog on Cytopoint. Uh, what else can I do? And and from that, we have to go through and say, you know, again, like you just said, what's your vaccine history? What are you doing as far as toxins? Um, because these are itchy dogs, right? Obviously. Um, what are you doing for food? What are the supplements? What are the treats? And one of the supplements that I wanted to present to you today, Dr. Jisik, um, it's called Zesty Paws. Zesty Paws. Now, this is from Chewy.com. And, and I, I really don't think that you're going to find too many clean products in there. But okay, uh, this is called an eight and one bite. An eight and one bite. It's a multifunctional soft chew supplement that supports eight areas of dog wellness. Now, Dr. Jasek, if you saw these um, mm. ingredients... They're extensive, but let me just read you the inactive ingredients in this particular. Um, it's it, it, it. What is this thing supposed to do? Right. Let me back up there. Th- this thing, these these eight and one bites. It's supposed to help all these different things in one little pill, Doctor Jay Z. Hip and joint, mm. heart health, skin health, gut health, immunity, antioxidants, liver health, and performance. Whatever the hell that means. Okay, so. In the inactive ingredients, we have apple pomace, citric acid, which is a preservative, coconut glycerin, flaxseed. Now, here's where it gets interesting. If we have itchy dogs, garbanzo flour, um, mixed tocopherols and other preservatives, natural flavorings um, from flaxseed and plums. We have natural peanut butter flavoring. We have Mm. pea flour, peanut flour, palm oil. Uh, powdered cellulose, rosemary extract, sunflower, and lecithin. Okay, we have a lot of stuff in the inactive ingredients, and a lot of times they hide their crap there. But in the active ingredients, we've also got other oils, cod liver oil, and these little, you know, things. And and then and then everything from there is a synthetic vitamin and mineral. So my question to you is: if we had an itchy dog. Would you ever recommend this eight in one bite? No, <laughs> I would even just hearing that that eight in one, and then the fact that it's a like a soft chew. That's enough for me to say now. I probably wouldn't do it even before I read the ingredients because when you read the ingredients, you find exactly what you found that there's all this artificial crap in there. They're going to have flavors, preservatives. Oils, I don't like anything with oils in it because you don't know, oils are not particularly stable and you don't know how they were handled. Um, You know, were they, you know, safe and like non-toxic before they put it in the product? And then was the product processed afterwards that might've denatured the oils? Oils can become very, very toxic if they're not handled properly because they're not very stable. So they're things with lots of oils in, I tend to stay away from. And I also just the whole concept eight and one, that's such a marketing thing. You know, we've talked about that before on the podcast that you have to watch the marketing. You know, there is no one size fits all one magic bullet treatment. This is, they're putting this out there 
you just get this one thing, it's just going to take care of all your dog's problems. There's not even anything in there that's therapeutic. And there's a whole bunch of things in there that could be contributing to the problems. So, well, you know, I'd like to know which of these eight things that pea protein is helping too, by the way. you know, <laughs> Right. And here's the thing. If it has on the very front, as this does, it says peanut butter flavor, never, ever give that to your dog. What? Why? Yeah. Don't why? give anything that says flavor. I don't care if it says natural or what. Are, why? Yeah. Why are we giving a flavor? If they have to flavor it, there's probably something wrong. If it's, if it's natural whole food, which is, you know, what we recommend, you know, we've talked about if it's natural whole food supplements. So you're getting things like mushrooms or algae or, you know, things that are in a whole food form. Well, read that ingredient label. What's in there? Mushrooms or algae. There's none of this other stuff. And you don't have to flavor it because it's just not a problem because it's a natural food. And it's pretty unusual that dogs won't eat things like that. So if there's all this stuff in there that, and I can see if it's a bunch of like synthetic nutrients, they're probably very bitter because they're just all chemical. So they have to put some flavor in there. And I think they say things like peanut butter because that has kind of a healthy connotation. It doesn't really to me, but I think in general, like, well, peanut butter, dogs like peanut butter, like that's a good thing. And that's probably pretty healthy. So, so that should be good for my dog, you know? Um, yeah, no, that something like that. Absolutely not. Every one of zesty paws has a flavor. There's bison flavor. There's chicken flavor. There's all these different types of flavored soft chews. Again, great point. If it has to be flavored, something wrong with it. Don't give right. it. Now, the biggest advice that we want to give you is if your dog is itching again, right? Itching. And you're going to go do Cytopoint first, pull out all the commercial dog food, pull out all of these type of loaded up flavored supplements, because you could be saving yourself a ton of money and a world of hurt. Because if your dog's itching because of whatever's in this stuff, um, and maybe that's not it, but I would say it'd be a big contributor. Uh, you'd be way ahead of the game to take this out um, versus going and get a cytopoint point shot and continuing to give this just doesn't work. You know what, what this product sounds like, it sounds like it's a byproduct of the pet food industry. Cause there's a lot of really similar ingredients. to what you would see in your average, like kibble diet. So it's like, they probably had like leftovers at a kibble plant and they made it into some chew and, you know, did some, you know, creative marketing and hoping that it sells and it probably will. You know, it sells. It's crazy. All right. So I have another question for you about hyperkeratosis. Mm -hmm. um, hyperkeratosis, where it is the, the thickening of the paws or it can be on the nose. Yep. Yep. Hyperkeratosis hyper is, I mean, there's keratin anywhere in like the skin. So you could have it like elsewhere in the skin, but probably in dogs, you see it, probably see it more commonly in the nose, in the paws. In your experience, what causes this? The first thing I think of when I, I mean, obviously we would look at, you know, nutrition and, you know, make sure the pet's getting basic, good, um, basic care. But the other thing would be uh, hypothyroidism. I've seen a lot of dogs with low thyroid that get those 
thickened, thickened pads um, where you can actually see a lot of times it's like right around the edges because they'll like walk in the bottom of the where they're actually contacting the ground with their pad um, will be smooth. And then the edges let's, just gets these like, um, it's it's almost like like the paws look kind or the pads look kind of fringed almost, but it's real hard. One of the things that they say is zinc. Okay. But if you really look in the raw diet and you're doing a variety, um, you do get zinc. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a trace mineral. You get it out of rabbit, chicken, turkey, pork, lamb, goat, uh, eggs, beef, salmon, and sardines. I mean, there's a couple other fish, but I mean, if you're doing a uh, raw diet, you should have enough zinc in there. I would, I would definitely do the blood work. I'd probably do like general blood work and specifically a full thyroid panel. And it's important if, if there's symptoms that indicate that we might have um, like less than optimal thyroid function, it's important to do the full panel because you're checking multiple parameters, the general or kind of standard thyroid check that's done is like a T4, like they'll add a T4 onto standard chemistry. And you might pick up like a low thyroid on that, but if the dog has symptoms and that's normal, you, you might need to, um, you know, do a, do a full panel because one of the things that isn't always picked up is thyroid autoimmune disease and a full thyroid panel will check for those autoantibodies and people, this is Hashimoto's. Um, where the thyroid gland is being literally attacked by the body. So the thyroid function is low because the body is actually attacking it. But sometimes that can be happening and the the standard um, thyroid measures like your T4 will be normal. And But if you check the antibodies and the antibodies are high and the pet is symptomatic, has some symptoms that would indicate low thyroid function, then um, then you still want to treat the thyroid basically and autoimmune disease. So this goes back to what's the vaccination history? What, I mean, it's great that they're on a raw diet because that would be super important that there's nothing because then you're like treating two things. So you want to support the thyroid, but then we've got this autoimmune process going on in the body. And then we need to be addressing that as well. So it's important to get, you know, get the, get the full workup done. I don't ever recommend micromanaging nutrients unless we know there's a specific deficiency. Like I test pets for vitamin D. And if I know that vitamin D is low, um, I mean, you know, and, and they're on a good diet, you know, make sure they're on a good diet already, then yeah, I'll supplement that because it's an important nutrient. But if you're not checking blood levels and you don't know, I I wouldn't guess at throwing singular nutrients at, at the pet. I I'd get, see if you could get down to the root cause, because again, you could be overlooking something. What if you say, oh, I'm going to try zinc. Yeah. Zinc's important for skin health. But like you said, if they're on a good diet, they should be getting enough zinc and they can get too much zinc. So we don't want to just be um, using the, you know, singular nutrients I would make sure they're doing the diagnostics and getting to the bottom of what's going on. Yeah. And, and this is from Anna, who's out in Oregon. Uh, this is a rescue dog, uh, age unknown. She says probably nine or 10. Uh, it's a half purebred American bulldog mixed with boxer Rottweiler and Staffordshire bull terrier. 
<laughs> like all of them, but uh, but it's a large dog. I mean, this dog is ninety five mm-hmm. pounds. Um, here, here's what she said though that I they think is so indicative of what's going on in the in the in the veterinary medicine today. She said she has seen three vets for this situation, and not one has offered her a better suggestion than keep the paws moisturized. One vet suggested bag balm which is petroleum based. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't want to do that. And um and she said she's used paw butters and paw bombs, but nothing has resolved the issue. And she said, she says, I know there's not a cure for hyperkeratosis, but I need a better strategy for management. And so she was wondering if there was a a better topical or internal sub internal supplement for this. But if they can address this thyroid issue, that's really where you want to go, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, otherwise you're just you're trying to put band-aids on this situation, which aren't gonna work because I mean, what stays on a dog's paws? I mean, come on. Like, yeah, you can put some of these topicals on a dog's paws, but you know, they're walking around. So I guess you could put stuff on and cover them, but then, you know, you can't leave dogs, you know, feet covered all the time or they're going to lick the stuff off. So topicals are not going to be very effective. Same on the nose. They're just going to lick it off. Like you're not going to treat this stuff topically very effectively. And there has to be an, an underlying reason for it. And I can't believe that the vets, you know, it really baffles me because to me, these two, this like hyperkeratosis of the pads, that's a pretty classic sign of hypothyroidism in dogs. I've seen it a ton. And so the vets just don't like in some of these clinics that they seem to be so profit driven. And sometimes you see, I mean, they will just charge people thousands and thousands of dollars, but then, but then here's a case that clearly needs some diagnostic work done. And they don't do it. They say, go use bag balm. It's really baffling to me. <laughs> I have no idea what can be going on in these vets' minds. Right. Or nothing's going on in their minds. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. So Anna, we hope that that is helpful. And maybe you want to take this advice and go get some diagnostics done. And then get in touch with Dr. Jasek at ahavet.com and let her take a look at these results because I think that you'd be able to see that. And then because like you said, you got to treat it from the inside. Right. And and um, is it painful, do you think, for the dogs if they have these really thick pads? I would I would think it would be kind of pain. You know, it's like I guess having kind of like, you know, having a callus, like if you had a, a callus on your finger or something, you know, an mm-hmm. area of your finger that you use like, you know, used to back in the, back in the old days when we actually used to write with pens and pencils, you know, you'd get that little callus on your finger where it would rest all the time. So, you know, it's a thickening of the tissue. It's like a, it's like a protective mechanism. So I would think it would be a little uncomfortable. It's probably not hugely painful, but probably doesn't feel very good. And plus, you know, if, if the dog is hypothyroid, they're not going to feel good in general. You know, like I would be curious to know, is this dog, does she have trouble maintaining the dog's weight? Is the dog low energy? What's its hair coat look like? Because usually they'll have thinning hair coats and they tend to, 
gain weight really easy and their skin can be kind of flaky and they don't have a ton of energy and they don't like the cold. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that go along with that. And usually if you start digging in, they'll, you know, some, some other things will come to the surface that would also support something like hypothyroidism. Got it. Okay, good. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for the question. So Dr. Jasek, a really scary thing that's coming about in uh, veterinary medicine, and you'd sent this to me, are the mRNA rabies vaccines that they want to bring to market or that maybe are on the market already. Um, How can we mess up the dogs anymore? I mean, seriously. I know. I know. And you know that, I mean, vaccines are already scary because we don't know exactly what's in them. And we know that pets react to them. So now we're using, going to use a brand new technology that, you know, has recently come out in human medicine with the COVID jab. And we know it wasn't tested for people. I mean, that's is emergency use authorization. So we know that they did not thoroughly test it because to really thoroughly do vaccine studies, it takes years, like eight, 10, 12 years. And we know that wasn't done. So you really think they're testing these things for the pets? They're not testing them to put them into people. And you think they're going to be testing them to put them into pets. That is so scary. So scary. And I don't know what marketing thing they're going to come out with. Probably that they're more effective and they're safer. And I say, don't fall for it. I mean, if you're, if you like need to give your pet a rabies shot for some reason, because you have to prove it, I would make sure that they're using one of the old, um, older versions, probably the older versions are going to go away, but one of the older versions and, um, you know, ideally thimerosal free, which, so at least it doesn't have the mercury in it. So I was looking at this information that, that came out from dogs naturally on this, um, mRNA vaccine, which is so typical um, in this study conclusion, they say, well, they observed no adverse clinical effects of giving this mRNA vaccine uh, to mice and dogs, but the dogs were only observed for three months in this study. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if the mRNA uh, is designed to have issues at six months, you know, why wouldn't we observe for a lifetime before we did it? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, three months. Okay. On the four, fourth month that, you know, everybody, you know, gets cancer or whatever happens, you know, just look at everything that's going on right now. And I'm going to call your attention to a couple of books that I think that all of our pet parents want to read to understand how this even came out on the human side and then decide whether you want to put it in your dogs. Again, we want to stress, these are not two separate entities. The pharmaceutical industry covers all people and pets. It's not as if they're yeah. separate. No, it's exactly the same industry and and the industry, it's these big corporate conglomerations and we're just a branch they might call it something different like Pfizer and veterinary medicine is Zoetis you know it's a different name but it's all the same companies and I think they're just all really all one big company they're all in cahoots because they're only it's all in the interest of making money I, I don't think there's even any real you know competition between some of these companies they all they all have the same agenda and 
I tend to believe that at some level, they're just, they're all working together for some greater agenda. Call me conspiracy theorist, but that's what I think. Well, and and I did a podcast with Neely yesterday and she said, look, we're way past the profit incentive. She said, come on, there's so much money. She said, there's something deeper than that. There's something more than that, more than just money, just exactly what you were saying. Um, Mm -hmm. In this report, they, they, or this information that was coming out, they said um, it absolutely is profit incentive driven because the researchers in this have noted that large scale production of mRNA vaccines is less time consuming, which means it's cheaper and more effective than inactivated vaccine. And um, so, you know, you have to look at that, guys. And I, I think that if you can just say no, um, I'll get back to you on getting these. Um, or whenever you get the notice that says, hey, it's time. It's time to bring your dog in. Maybe don't respond right away. Right? Because hey. there's nobody going to come knocking on your door um, saying, uh, we're going to take your dog. At least not today. Right. And there, you know, the thing is, you know, I think you you have to pay attention to are there really laws around any of this stuff? Like I know people will go into vet clinics and be told it is illegal for the pet to for, for the vet to treat the pet without it having a current rabies shot. That's a flat out lie. There is no such law. Because that would mean that that veterinarian would get arrested if it did that. And that's absolutely not true. They're not going to lose their license. They have no obligation to force vaccines, legal or otherwise. It's their choice. That might be a clinic policy. They can choose to do that, but you can also choose to go to another clinic because they have no legal authority to force you to vaccinate your pet ever, period. There are no such laws, but they will present it that way and they will make you feel guilty if you don't. And, you know, it's like, this propaganda just gets started and then everybody starts saying it. And then all of a sudden it's the truth. And it's, they're just flat out lies. You have the, the absolute right to choose whether or not you vaccinate your pet. Now you got, you know, your dog bites somebody. It doesn't have a current rabies shot. Could there be repercussions? Yes. But that is still your choice. I'm not obligated to make somebody do a rabies shot or even encourage vaccinating, which I don't, but I give people choices and I will say, okay, you, yeah, there's these rules that say you're supposed to vaccinate your dog for rabies. Uh So for the pure interest of the health of the dog, I wouldn't do it. Now, if you don't do it, you might have these repercussions and then people decide. I know what my decision would be. You know, you want to take your pet on an airplane, you need to get a rabies shot. My decision would be, I'm not going to put my pet on an airplane. But, you know, that's your choice, but then you're also going to have to to face the consequences. But you absolutely have that choice. That's that's the important point. You're, no veterinarian has the right to bully you into vaccinating your pet. And if they say they won't take care of your pet unless you do, then go someplace else. You'll, you'll find somebody, you push back. That My clients that go into clinics, ER, and they push back and they say, I'm not vaccinating, you, you know, you're not going to vaccinate my dog. This is not what I'm here for. I'm here because he's got a whatever cut paw or whatever. I got another vet I work with on vaccines and most clinics will back right down. 
because they don't have a leg to stand on. They are just trying to bully you into, you know, doing things that are not good for your pet. Well, you know, Dr. Jasek, if you say this stuff in California, you will go to jail because you cannot give informed consent. You cannot give choices. No choices. You you tow the party line. You say what you're supposed to say. Do not tell people, do not tell our fabulous, wonderful pet parents um, the truth. You can't do it. Not in California. Right. I wonder if that's the same. I wonder if they're wonder if they're cracking down on veterinarians they're the same like they are and and on mds can you i mean how frightening would that be i'd be leaving i'd be out of that state so fast i would not put up with that what i mean does that even make sense i cannot get informed consent and and i don't even know if they you know because they call it misinformation well, if we've learned anything over the last two years, there are a lot of people lying their asses off. I'm sorry to cuss, but that yeah. makes me so angry um, at the doctors. And I think that this information is really coming out. And one of the, the people that I would like to call you guys' attention to it has nothing to do with the dogs, but it has everything to do with the dogs. Why? Because, again, the corruption is an umbrella over all of us. It's over the dogs. It's mm-hmm. over the, um, the, the, the people and Brian, you know, Brian, my, my, um, employee, Brian, he said this to mm-hmm. me today. He, he was talking about the MRNA and he said, uh, here's a thought. You add MRNA to rabies because it's the one vaccine required by law. Yep. And people are scared to buck the law. So you get yeah. maximum dispersion by adding to the rabies. Yep. Bingo. I was like, Brian, you yep. make too much sense. We're going to have to fire you. <laughs> can't, be, can't be doing that self-thinking stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had the same thought. It's no accident that they're using the mRNA technology in the most regulated vaccine for pets. They are trying to get this stuff out there and God knows what they are putting in these vaccines. And I, I know I would bet anything that we are just going to see pets get sicker and sicker and sicker. And there's going to be some other justification for why, you know, pets are getting whatever it ends up being myocarditis or more neurologic issues, or, you know, who knows how this is going to manifest in the pets. But I I bet anything that it it will. It's it's going to be awful, and I I think we just need to get away from from giving from giving these vaccines. I, they just do so much more so much more harm than good. And you do have a choice. We have lots of clients that just choose not to vaccinate, and they fly under the radar, and they do just fine if they just don't do things where they have to verify current vaccines if they don't want to give them. So yeah, maybe you got to change what you do or where you take your pet or what you do. Or you, you know, you, you look for, you look for other resources. I, I think sometimes it's just easy to say, well, I had no choice. I had to do it. You always have a choice. I, that annoys me so much when people say, well, I had to, no, you didn't have to, nobody, you know, tied you down and tied your pet down and made you get these shots. You always have a choice in, and if you choose to get the vaccines, then, you know, your pet's going to suffer those consequences because just because you feel 
like you had to, or you didn't want to seek out other options, your pet's going to be just as sick because of it. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like an excuse, like, well, I, I had to do it. Well, okay. Well, your pet's still going to get just as sick from the shot be, just because you felt like you had to do it. It doesn't give your pet an out on the side effects. Exactly. And here's a big conspiracy theory, just out of my sphincter. Um, what, let's just say that the, um, the mRNA caused the pets to not be able to eat certain things. So it was controlled eating, yeah. right? We can only eat these certain things because it caused, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know anything about it, but I'm just saying, um, what if it was, I mean, how perfect would that be? Your dogs can only eat bugs. Okay. Well, I digress. Right. Or fake meat or. Oh my gosh. We are going to do a podcast on how this beyond beef is really part of the whole plan to get rid of all the beef and all the dairy uh, for us useless eaters. Okay. Um, So one of the people that I really am going to read his book and I want to listen to him. Uh, His name is Dr. Andrew Hoff. He's written this book. It's called The Truth About Wuhan, How I Discovered the Biggest Lie in History. Now, who is this guy? He's not just a nobody that decided to write a book. No, he was a vice president of EcoHealth Alliance. Okay. That was Peter Daszak's uh, company Fauci was very uh, big and 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 um, uh, funding them, but he, this Dr. Hoff, helped develop develop bio surveillance platforms. Okay, for all three letter agencies, and he in this book he talks about how he lays it out in layman's terms. He lays it out as to why. There were the lockdowns, how they sold it. It was only supposed to be a two-week thing. Um, He talks about all of this profit-driven industrial complex. So he really puts it in layman terms, as I have heard him speak, on why these were developed and how dangerous they are and how, and he says this, how they have killed millions. Okay, Mm -hmm. so when you really look at, um, I I find this so ironic, Dr. Jasek, when you look at companies, especially the raw dog food industry, that has had recalls, right? And people call, have you ever had a recall? Well, certainly, right? Because recalls in the raw dog food industry mean zero zip, not a nothing. Mm-hmm. There's not a single solitary dog that has gotten sick, nor a person. It is, we go in, we swipe, if there's any bacteria, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad because we don't uh, discriminate <laughs> equal opportunity <laughs> right. uh, to to be flagged. It's equal opportunity recalls, right? Any type right. of bacteria will do. Right, right. Um, and And yet, so what did I say? There were no... People, there were no pets that had gotten sick, much less died. And yet we have millions. What is the matter with our country? What is the matter 
with our people? What is the matter? And, um, you know, this, this, uh, again, like, like we talk about all the time, just because somebody that is a supposed authority figure says something doesn't necessarily mean they know come here from Sikkim. Doesn't. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> I like that saying, by the way, that's good i haven't heard that that's very doggy it fits doesn't it my that is another one of my my mom's saying my mom has a lot of good sayings so she always says don't borrow trouble right don't borrow trouble i like that yeah it's a good one um but anyway that that is 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 a great book that i think that if if you want to kind of get your head around why you should be um, very careful about what we do with our pets. I think this is a good one because it puts it in the people perspective. And I think a lot of times we can't make that connection unless it is on our level, right? It it has to do with us. When we can understand it, when it has to do with us, then we can transfer that knowledge over to our pets. So uh, again, the book's called The Truth About Wuhan by Dr. Andrew Huff, H U. I said Hoff earlier. It's Huff, H-U-F-F. Um, and then Dr. Um, or, or Robert F. Kennedy, he's also got out a new book. And interestingly enough, it's called The Wuhan Cover-Up by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. And if you guys know anything about Robert Kennedy uh, Jr., he's been fighting for clean vaccines and clean water for a very long time over at... Um, children's health defense. So a lot of good information, right? That's coming out. And we have been called conspiracy theorists, Dr. Jacek. We've had people turn us off, which is totally fine. We're just putting that information out there. And um, doggone it. We just want people to be healthy and dogs to be healthy and shame on us for that. Right. Right. And we want people to be informed. So You know, I mean, maybe you don't agree with everything you read, but sometimes I read stuff I don't agree with, but I think it's a good mental exercise to be considering it. So I would highly encourage people to consider things, even if they seem very foreign to you, like like the Wuhan cover up, like this was all a big cover up with some big agenda. Maybe you should consider that as a possibility because you know um i think if you if you're if you don't open your mind to what could really be going on here you're just going to end up being being buffaloed and you're going to end up you know a slave i mean i think that's where our system is going they want us to be controlled they want to control our food supply they you know they want to control our currency and if you just allow yourself to get wrapped up in the system um you are going to be 100% controlled and you're not going to have any liberties. So I think it's, it's definitely a good idea to be informed and to at least open your mind to some of these, you know, concepts that might seem really strange to you, but I, I would um, definitely consider them because that's, that's, that's where I think we're at. I think we're headed for a very controlled culture. I think we're heading towards what what's going on in in China where people are just just horrifically controlled and oppressed and if we don't open our eyes and look at what's really going on here 
and stand up for our liberties, well, we're going to lose them. And I think that's happening pretty quick. Or do we just keep going on with our daily lives and say, nothing to see here, folks, nothing to see here. We're going to go along because to get along, uh, we can't tell the truth. It won't get better. <laughs> it doesn't get better if you don't tell the truth. How does it get better? Yeah. And I, and I think, and I think sadly it's, you know, a lot of people are just going to feel completely blindsided if they go along and go along and go along. And then all of a sudden the truth just becomes incredibly obvious. And then it's going to be, it's going to be too late to do something. Now is the time where we need to do something to get the truth out and preserve our freedoms. And I get it that if you've been in a system where you get a dog and every three you know, years you go in for this and every year you go in for that and you do your order, your heartworm and you order your flea and tick and you do all this kind of stuff. That's a system, right? That's a, that's a, that's a system. And, and we as human beings like to do things on a regimented basis. We like routine. It makes us feel safe. Now you stop that and you're like, who's going to tell me if my dog's okay? You are. Right. You are because you can look at your dog's body, you can look at their coat, you can look at their energy, you can look at their eyes, you can look at their poop. You know that you don't want to be feeding them a processed diet, processed treats. Uh, you don't want to be packing their system with toxins. There's a lot of things you already know. So if you let that fear overtake you, your mind shuts down, you cannot think, and you do things that are not in your best interest or in your pet's best interest. And you have just got to start moving that dial and start trusting yourself and seeking out people like Dr. Judy Jasek at ahavet.com. And it may sound like I'm doing a commercial. I'm not doing a commercial. I'm just saying there are alternatives. And we want to make sure that you know these alternatives. We're up against a huge marketing machine, a huge narrative, right? We So we may say things over and over again, but do you know how many times you are bombarded with marketing ploys and pretty pictures, pretty pictures and tasty toxins, right? Right every day, all day long. So forgive us if, you know, once a week we repeat ourselves. Since I do this five times a week, maybe I repeat myself five times, but okay. Well, I forget stuff all the time. So I find it useful to have things told to me multiple times because <laughs> I tend to remember them. And then I tend to, I tend to remember them. You know, another thing too, to always be leery of is one size fits all protocols. Mm -hmm. So even if it's, you know, the wellness stuff, you go in and your vet just says, okay, your dog needs to be on heartworm prevention, you, you know, every month, year round. Well, ask, is is that appropriate for my dog? You know, because they're, they're making the same recommendation for every pet that walks in the door, be it, you know, vaccines or heartworm or flea and tick or whatever they're recommending. Don't you think that's a little odd? Because each pet's an individual and they have unique medical histories and and they have different circumstances. So shouldn't at the very least these protocols be customized 
to the needs of the individual pet. So if you if you go in someplace and they are recommending the exact same thing for every patient that walks in the door, that's a huge red flag. And I, I'd be very, very leery of, of that. You know, it's the same in you know humans with, with the COVID jab. You know, they put up these drive-by places, like um, just, just drive up, get your shot, you know, and where every single, they're not taking medical histories. They don't know if that's an appropriate choice for that person. Nobody's making that decision. They're just saying everybody should get it. That's a huge reflect. That that tells you right there that is not that is not medicine. That's not a medical decision. It's a it's a selling propaganda, you know, and veterinary medicine, I think it is a selling game and a profit game. Um, you know, won't get into why I think they're pushing these jabs on people, but it's it's not if it's a one size fits all, it is not a medical decision. There's another motivation for making the recommendation. Well, and how about just asking them this question as well? Um, so if I poison the pet, aren't I poisoning my dog? Is And that's healthy? That, that That's healthy to poison my dog every every month? Right. You know, I would love to hear those 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 responses. Or the one where where you said that they they always say it's a law that I you must have a rabies shot. I would say, would you mind um before I make this decision, just because you know I'm a I'm I'm a well-researched pet parent. I'd love, can you provide me with that law number? Or do you have it here or the statute or whatever? Can I would you mind giving that to me so I could review it? Right. And they've never looked into it. I could about guarantee it. That would be that that would be good. I mean, you're right. I would love to have a show like that. Undercover, mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> undercover vet. The reality, <laughs> the veterinary reality show. I would probably be shot or poisoned. I'm certain of it. You know, <laughs> somebody would get me. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Remember, Dr. Judy Jason can still uh, answer this phone call for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> nope. Uh, got enough of my own. Not answering yours. That's right. <laughs> uh, you can still do telemedicine with Dr. Judy Jasek. You can go visit your own vet, send her the uh, results and the reports and the diagnosis and get a second opinion from a holistic perspective, right? Because if somebody is is entrenched in one modality, ideology, philosophy, um, they don't see things um, like a holistic vet. It's sort of like this, Dr. Jasek. Um, we always, when pet parents come to us, we're always looking at it from a pure uh, cleaning out the dog's body, right? Not, not, what are the pharmaceutical can we put in there? And so we see things very differently, just like the dog who was bowing, right? Who said they had, this dog had pancreatitis and we're looking at it and saying, I, hmm, that's weird. We don't see any of that. And now the dog's doing great. Okay. And we didn't do anything but change, change the diet. Hit a deficiency of raw food. It had something weird. It was just, just a sphincter diagnosis. I don't know. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Get over to rawdogfoodandco.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.